If you have your Bibles there, you can turn to Genesis 22. And let me say sincerely that I am so excited about the church here and and what you guys are doing. I am not surprised. I was a part of the first church service in Pastor Robert and Debbie's living room with 40 people. And I believed then, and I told Robert then, that I believed that this church would be one of the largest in America and one of the most influential in the world. And he believed that also, and God is doing a tremendous work here. I know that you guys, in a few weeks, you're going to be praying and you're going to be bringing commitment cards concerning Project 114 and what you're going to be doing. So part of what I say in this message today, I'm just helping to kind of seed in your hearts that process of you praying. My message is on the power of surrender And it's talking about how to realize your potential in life, the potential of this church, but also your potential individually. And let me say this. I know this won't come as a surprise to you, but I want to say this just for clarity's sake. You know that every person is called by God. It's not just a few people. It's not just a few ministers that are called. Every person is special. And God calls every single person to a mission, to a destiny in life. You have a call on your life. And in our call, it is always individual. God comes to us individually and calls us specifically to something, but it's always corporate. There is no such thing as a person who God calls but doesn't connect to the body of Christ. So we're all connected to one another. And no call on any person's life ever matters without surrender. The call that's on a church, there has to be surrender for a call to be activated and for us to accomplish our destiny in life. And so that's what I want to talk about this morning in this message. And I want us to look at, at Abraham, this text in Genesis 22 where I ask you to turn there. Abraham, except for Jesus Christ, he was called on to demonstrate the greatest act of surrender in the Bible. And, and really, I believe, in the history of mankind. And we see a lot of truth here that we can learn from. Let's read Genesis 22, beginning in verse 1. It says, It came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham, let's stop right there and say, God never tempts any person because temptation is to try to get us to sin. But God is trying to test Abraham here and he tests us. It's to try to get us to succeed and to grow in him. And he said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. And he said, take now your son, your only son, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. And offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering, and arose and went to the place which God had told him. But on the third day Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, the lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called. Now, in the Old Testament, the angel of the Lord is Jesus, pre-incarnate. The angel of the Lord called him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. 
Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide, or Jehovah Jireh is another way to say it. As it is to this day, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Blessing I will bless you, and in multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. In your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Powerful story here. And let me say before I go on, any time I preach on this text, I just want to say to all of you parents here, don't sacrifice your children like this. That's an Old Testament thing. On bad days it can be tempting. So don't, don't ever do this. So I just want to say that. And I, when I read this story, I think about you know Isaac on a psychiatrist's couch at 30 years old saying, well, my childhood was tough. I mean, my, my dad was 100 years old when I was born, never played football with me or anything like that. Of course, you know, he invented circumcision and tried it out on me. And, uh, and he tried to offer me up as a burnt offering, but God stopped him. I really had a tough childhood. You know, I think we can all... So, but this story... God came to Abraham and Sarah in their old age and said, I'm going to give you a, a son. But it didn't happen right away. That is a lot of times the case when God gives us a promise. There's a delay and it tests our faith. And they didn't pass the test. In the delay process, you know, they had the bright idea that maybe Abraham was supposed to have a child by, by Hagar, Sarah's handmaid. And so he did, Ishmael. And God wouldn't bless Ishmael. It was not the way he wanted it done. So they had to wait even longer so at a hundred years old, when Abraham is a hundred years old, they finally have this child. Now you can imagine how much this child means to them. And so now uh, he's a young boy, uh, Isaac is a young boy, and God comes to Abraham and God says to him, I want you to lay him down. Listen, I want you to make him a burnt offering. And we always see the story about Abraham taking the knife up and being stopped before he comes down. But God told him to make him into a burnt offering. The slaying part was probably just a mercy killing before the burning part came. But God told him, you make your son into a burnt offering. This is a very, very powerful story here. And Abraham does it. As difficult as it is, he follows through. He goes up to Mount Moriah, the temple mount today. He goes up to Mount Moriah. He's in the process of following through with what God told him to do. God stops him. Jesus stops him. Before he slays his son and he looks over and there's a ram that's been provided. And so Abraham renames the place. And he says, this is Jehovah Jireh. This place is where God provides. Now, let me, let me say as a principle before we go on. It says in the next verse, to this day we say, in the mount of the Lord it will be provided. Okay. So this isn't just a story that is specific to Abraham and Isaac. It's for all of us. Every single time we surrender, God will give us his best. In the mount of the Lord, we always find the provision of God. Surrender is an act that allows God to bless us in the degree that he wants to bless us. And I want to say it to you in another way. God is not a God of subtraction. He's not trying to get something away from us. Our God is a God of multiplication. He's trying to give us more. And when we surrender to God, there's this nagging voice in our, in our brains that says, you're going to lose something. And it's the devil. 
You're going to lose something. You're not going to be as happy. You're not going to be as wealthy. You're not going to be as well-liked. You're not going to have as much pleasure and fulfillment in life. God is trying to take something away from you. That is exactly the opposite as we see happening right here. As soon as Abraham comes up the mount with the most precious thing he has, his son, and he lays his son down, as soon as he sees what God is up to, he stops and says... This is the place of blessing where God adds to your life. And so we say to this day, in the mount of the Lord, God will give you everything you're looking for. Surrender is the key to every blessing that God gives us in life. Let me talk for just a minute about what God wants us to surrender. Because you might say, well, Jimmy, what, what specifically are you talking about? Well, let's look at Isaac for just a minute and what Isaac represented. He first of all represented his family. The most precious relationship that he had in life. God requires us to surrender our relationships to him. He wants to be the Lord of our relationships. Now, Jesus said in Luke 14, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, mother, wife, children, brothers and sisters, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And the word hate there does not mean that we're supposed to despise our loved ones. Obviously, that's not true. It's a comparative term. It means... In comparison to me, there's no one that rivals my relationship with you. And Abraham is coming. Now, here's what I believe from this text. I mean, this is my personal opinion, but I believe it's pretty obvious. I believe that Isaac has taken God's place in Abraham's heart. That's what's going on here. And God is now coming to Abraham and saying, you lay that relationship down. I want to be first in your life. And so relationships are one of the things that God wants us to surrender Isaac also represents financial security. Abraham, in modern terms, was a billionaire. He was fabulously wealthy, did not have an heir, and he was going to die and leave everything he had to one of his servants. And also, for those of us who are older, you understand something. By the way, I turned 55 in two weeks. I've already got my ARP card, and I've gotten some awesome discounts already. I am so excited about turning 55. But... For those of us who get older, you realize it doesn't matter how much money you have. As you get older, you need your family. Sarah dies in the next chapter after this. These these are old old people. And he understands this is is the kid that's going to take our wealth to another generation. He's also the boy that's probably going to protect me and keep somebody from killing me when I become disabled for all of my money. So he's laying down his financial future when he lays Isaac down. Social acceptance and respect. It's hard for us to understand in our culture what a son meant back then. And Isaac was his respect, his social status in that community. Let me say this another way. After he lays Isaac down, he's going to be known as the man who killed his child. He's laying down his entire reputation. Let me say it another way. He's got to go home and explain this to his wife. And every woman here can understand what's going to happen when... Abraham walks in without Isaac and says, Honey, I need to talk for you for a minute. God told me to do something. I mean, he's laying down his entire reputation with everyone in his life. The other thing is his future. This is his dream, his promises. His his entire future he's laying down before God. Isaac meant everything to him. And when God comes to us and asks us to surrender... There's always a time in life when we come and maybe we accept Christ and we say, God, I surrender everything to you. And we mean it. But then there are those Mariah moments in our lives where God comes and challenges specific areas that he wants us to lay down. Lay down your finances. Lay down your business. Lay down your ministry. Lay down your relationships. 
Lay down your personal habits. Lay down your time. All of these issues that God comes and challenges. And here's my promise to you this morning. I promise. Every time you do, God will take you to another level of blessing and provision. You will never lose anything when you surrender to God. You will always gain something important. And that's the principle we find here. But there's always surrender. In every person's life, there's going to be surrender. Let me talk for just a minute about the problem of surrender. This is where the real problem comes in. Now, I know that there are sins that when God comes into our lives, especially maybe when we get saved and and God says, I want you to lay a sin down. I'm really not going to address the issue of sin because sin is sin. Hopefully we know it's wrong. It's something that we ought to surrender and, and we know is damaging. The real problems in our relationship with God... It's not the sins that he wants us to, re- to surrender, it's the blessings. The greatest threat to our relationship with God are the blessings he gives us in life. Examples are wealth, family relationships, talent, intelligence, personality, beauty, health, strength, power, status, all of those things. Isaac was the blessing that God had given Abraham that had now taken his place in Abraham's life, and he was coming to challenge that. Let me, let me give you an example of what I'm saying. I went to a debate last year at uh, Georgetown University between uh, an atheist and a Christian. The atheist was Christopher Hitchens, and the uh, Christian was Professor McGrath from Oxford University, both very brilliant men. And they were debating you know, whether there was a God and whether Christianity was real or whether there was not a God and atheism was real. Now, these are very intelligent men. And Christopher Hitchens is a very, very intelligent person. And he was articulating, now listen, he believes we're animals. He, he believes we're nothing more than animals. We didn't come from any divine source. We're not going to any divine future. It, we're just on our own and we are animals. And he articulates it very graphically. And I was thinking, I was sitting in the audience trying to understand all of the big words they were using. And as I was pondering those things, I thought to myself... He's taking the brain that God gave him and he's using it against him. Isn't that the way it is? The greatest threat to our relationship with God are the blessings that he gives us. Let me ask a question rhetorically. Who can God bless and it won't be used against him? Who can he give true power to? Who can he give true beauty to? True success, true wealth, true anointing, deep relationships, true fulfillment in life. And the promise does not become an idol. That's the challenge. And in Abraham's life, Abraham prays for many years for a son. He finally gets that son. Now that son has become the greatest impediment between him and God. And God comes and says, I want you to lay Isaac down. I want you to know something. God did not want Isaac. God wanted Abraham back. God doesn't want to take away any blessing from our lives. But God is a jealous God, and He will do with nothing less than our hearts. In the Old Testament, there's a scripture in Exodus 34:14 that we need to understand to understand the nature of God. It's 34:14 says, "You shall worship no other God, for the Lord whose name is jealous." Sometimes we don't really realize that's one of the names of God. I, you know, when I, I've never been singing a worship song when we're singing the names of God and saying that name. It's a name that we're not real proud of when it comes to God. Because a lot of times we see jealousy as something that's not good or healthy. Well, there are, there are, there are types of jealousy that are unhealthy. But God is not unhealthy. God is very healthy. And jealousy means intolerant of rivalry. 
He will not take second place in our lives. In the Old Testament, there is an entire book devoted to telling us how God feels many times in his relationship with us, his people. It's the book of Hosea. And God came to the prophet Hosea and he said to him, I want you to become a living demonstration of how I feel in my relationship with my wife Israel. I want you to go marry a prostitute. Now, this is another Old Testament thing we don't do anymore. Okay, let me say that right now. A prostitute named Gomer. Now, let me say to all the men here, don't ever marry a woman named Gomer. I promise she'll be ugly. Okay, and if you're here and you're a woman named Gomer, I didn't mean that. Uh, Pastor Robert actually said that, and I'm just repeating what I heard him say. But... God comes, God comes to Hosea and he says, I want to help the Israel to understand who I am and, and what's going on here. Go marry a prostitute. Go marry an unfaithful woman who will break your heart over and over and over and over and never truly give her heart to you. Because that's how I feel. Okay, so I, I want you to listen to me. We are his wife. Did you know that? We're the bride of Christ. We're his. And let me talk about his jealousy for just a minute. Because he's a jealous God in a healthy way. I want you to understand it. He loves you more than you will ever comprehend in this lifetime. When, when you're trying to understand God. Why you, when you're trying to understand why he contends with us at times. He challenges things. Even the good things in our lives. The blessings in our lives. You're saying, what is, what is God up to? He's never trying to take anything away from us. He's never trying to be mean or spy. That's not the way He is. He's our husband. We're His wife. And He loves us. He loves relating to us. He loves spending time with us. He adores you. And, and we know all the bad stuff about ourselves. And the devil's always trying to condemn us. And so it's hard for us sometimes to understand how adorable we are to God. You just don't understand how much you mean to him. And let me say it another way. He will never, ever give up on you. For the rest of your life, he will pursue you and he will never give up. That's what you mean to him. He wants to bless you. He wants to prosper you. He wants to release his fullness into your life. But you just simply need to understand It always has to do with our hearts. This whole issue here. It's not about Isaac. It's about Abraham and God. He's jealous. He doesn't want to take the promise away from Abraham. In fact, he wants to take the promise to another level. But he simply comes and tests Abraham and says, where's your heart? I remember before Isaac came around. And we had a different kind of a relationship. And I'm so glad that you've got a son. But I'm so sorry that I lost a friend. I want my friend back. Laying down. That's all God wanted. It's all God wants from us. The process of provision or the process of surrender. You say, well, how do I do it? You know, if God wants me to surrender something that's in my life, how do I do it? It begins with a dialogue. It's not a formula. It says that God spoke to Abraham and said, Abraham. And Abraham said, here I am. And they had a dialogue. And God told him what he wanted him to do. Verse 18 of the text that we read in Genesis 22 says, God said, because you have obeyed my voice. With blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply you. It's not because a friend of yours did it and it worked. Don't do that. My suggestion to you, this is just a 
loving suggestion to you is this week or sometime soon that you sit down in your, your prayer time with the Lord and just say, Lord, is there anything I need to lay down? And listen, because he'll speak. And it'll be something specific to you. I believe related to the building program, this Project 114, that any time that Karen and I have given to a building program, it's always required to surrender. And it's always been God speaking to us personally in our lives. And that's my encouragement to you, that you would just ask the Lord, Lord, is there anything that I need to lay down? I think it's a good thing to pray about regularly. The second step in surrender and also in receiving the provision of God is difficult but full obedience, is learning to fully obey what God says. But listen to the language, because this is so painful. The language that God used to Abraham. Take now your son. No delay. Do it now. No two or three months or a year or two of being able to be around him knowing that you're going to lose him. No sentimentality here. Laying down your only son whom you love and offer him there as a burnt offering. And God comes and says, do it now and do this. The next verse, verse 3 says, Abraham rose early. And went to the place where God told him. He did not delay. Let me say this. Delayed obedience is disobedience. And partial obedience is disobedience. Surrender means I'm going to do it now and I'm going to do it fully. When I first got saved, I got saved at 19 years old. And I worked for my mom and dad in an appliance business in Amarillo before I came into the ministry. And, you know, when I, when I, before I got saved, I was very wild. And I was popular when I grew up. So I had a lot of friends and I grew up in Amarillo. So I knew a lot of people in Amarillo. And my family was pretty well known. And uh, in the appliance business, I was working there one day. And a, a guy came in. I'd known him all my life. He was a little older than me. Handsome guy, you know, kind of a jock. And uh, his family was not well known, kind of a wealthy family. And he came into the store one day. And I was just standing there talking to him. Now, I had not been saved for very long. And I, had, I, had, I was dealing with a lot of the issues of not wanting to be a Jesus freak. Not wanting to completely lose my reputation because I'd already pretty much lost it, you know, when I came to the Lord. But the entire time I'm sitting there talking to this guy, the Lord is speaking to me and saying, invite him to go to lunch, Jimmy. Ask him to come to your Bible study. Pull him in. Pull him in. The entire time I'm talking to him, the Lord is just saying, pull him in, Jimmy. You you want to befriend him. I didn't do it. And the entire conversation went on. He left that day and I just thought, well, you know, one of these days I probably need to call him and invite him to... To do something, you know, I was embarrassed. I just, I didn't want to take him out to eat lunch and start talking about Jesus and him laugh at me and go tell everybody about it. You know, I just, I had not surrendered my reputation, is what I'm trying to say. Well, he committed suicide two months later. You would have never, ever dreamed that the guy had a problem in the world. I, I didn't. I, I kind of envied him, honestly. I got a, you know, call one day telling me that he had gone into his garage and asphyxiated himself. And, The Lord never condemns us when we do things like that. I didn't feel responsible. I certainly felt, you know, guilty for what I had not done. But the Lord never condemns us for things like that. But when the Lord spoke to me about that issue, I remember the tone of the Lord's voice to me. And it was kind as it always is. But here's what the Lord said to me. Now, the next time I say something to you, I want you to do it, son. Some things have a time on them that expires. And when we surrender, what we're saying is, I will do fully what you tell me to do, and I'll do it now. I'm not going to procrastinate. I'm not going to put it off. And I'm not going to pick and choose what I like and don't like. That's what Saul did in the Old Testament. And that's why God rejected him as being king and brought David in, who was a man after his heart and would do everything he told him to do. 
It means surrender. The third thing that surrender means is death to the promise. Death, death to me. And I noticed on this, on this uh, power of we that it started out with the power of me and then it flipped over and said we. That's exactly what happens when surrender happens. The me becomes we. The, the self becomes God. This is Hebrews 11. And it's speaking about Abraham and Isaac. This tells us what Abraham was thinking when he sacrificed Isaac. Hebrews 11:17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called. Concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. When Abraham was walking up Mount Moriah to sacrifice Isaac, he was not thinking, this is the worst day of my life. I just can't believe that God would do something like this. Well, my life will never be the same again. I just can't believe this horrible thing has happened to me. When he was, according to Hebrews 11, when he was on his way up the mountain, here's what he was thinking. I know my God. He's a good God. And if he takes him, he'll resurrect him. I'm not going to lose anything on that mountain, but I may see the greatest miracle in my life. I'm laying him down and I'm putting him in the hands of God. I'm putting my business in the hands of God. And I don't know what's going to happen. The only thing I know is, it's not mine anymore, it's God's. And God's a big God and He's going to do something special with my business. I'm putting my family in the hands of God. And I'm no longer going to try to control the destiny of my family and our future. It's now God's. But what I know is my God is a good God and my family is going to be resurrected in His hands. I'm putting my, my family into the best hands I can put it in. It's His career. It's His ministry. It's His. I'm His. I die to controlling my own life and my own future and I lay it in the hands of God. And Abraham, as he was walking up the mountain, by faith he laid that boy down believing if God took him, God would resurrect him. But he knew the nature of God. He wasn't going to lose anything. He was putting his future into the best hands he could put them in. And the act of surrender means that we go to God and we say, Lord, speak to me and I'll do whatever you tell me to do. And I put my future completely into your hands and I die to self. And I believe that whatever is about to happen is going to be good because you're a good God. And even if you take it, you're able to resurrect it. Let me finish by just talking about the power of surrender for just a minute. Because at the end of the story, once Abraham lays Isaac down, we see the Lord say this to Abraham. He says, with blessing I will bless you and with multiplying I will multiply you. Whenever we come to that place of laying our Isaac down, that promise down, that blessing down, whatever it is in our life that we lay it down, it's where the Lord provides It's where the Lord provides not just money. It's where He provides wisdom and revelation. It's where God provides every blessing that we're looking for in life. I promise you, I promise you, you'll never lose anything when you surrender it to God. In fact, it's the secret of multiplication. That's what Abraham found out. There's one other thing I want to say. When God, when Abraham did this in verse 17, Genesis 22, 17, God promises Abraham, your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. I'm going to make you a victor. I'm going to make you superior above all of your enemies. When we bow our knee to God, it's when we become powerful. When we come in weakness before Him and surrender, that's when God makes us victorious in life. It's the opposite 
of what our natural minds would think. And that sometimes is the challenge of us truly surrendering, is we think that we're becoming weak. No, actually, we're becoming powerful. A bowed knee is what the enemy cannot stand against. God wants to bless you. You have a call on your life. You're special. This church is special. There's a call on this church, corporately. I believe Gateway Church, and I told Pastor Robert this when the church began, I believe it will be one of the largest churches in America and one of the most influential churches in the world that already is. But a church is just a group of individuals. And what the devil fears is a group of surrendered individuals. Because it's a power he can't stop. He never has been able to. And my challenge to you is to examine your own heart. Let the Lord speak to you. And anything that you need to surrender, that you do that. And I promise you, God will bless you. I promise you, you'll find something. You won't lose something. Would you stand with me this morning, please?